Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by nice David message. Harabedian. Recorded. Are you helping or hindering? Are you helping or hindering others who are looking to get to Jesus for their need to be met or their miracle? Luke chapter 5, verses 20, verses 17 through 26. And I'm going to share with you what happened and how this message was birthed. While studying a passage of Scripture, the Holy Spirit asked me a convicting question. Are you helping others get to Jesus or are you hindering them? As I thought for a moment before answering, the Holy Spirit suddenly opened my eyes to the verses I was already reading, revealing both the helpers and the hinderers in God's kingdom. Both were religious people. Mm. Or both claimed to be seeking God and serving Him. Shortly thereafter, I began to see both groups of people throughout the Bible. As we study together this passage, I encourage you to ask yourself this same question. Am I helping others get to Jesus or am I hindering them? Luke 5, 17-26, New International Version. One day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for Him to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, say their faith, which is the faith of the helpers, he said to the paralytic, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Mm -hmm. They were hindering mm -hmm. the work of God, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Jesus always knows what's in your heart whether you mouth it or not. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier? Notice where he didn't say which is more difficult. Mm -hmm. Just a matter of which is easier with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, always the more. Ponder. Point. But that you may know, which is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, the man stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This wonderful healing story reveals three types of people. The helpers, the hinderers, and the churchgoers who are just sitting on the pew blocking the way. Ooh. Are you a helper? Helping someone get to Jesus? And it's your faith that actually gets them saved or healed or delivered? Or are you a Pharisee and a Sadducee and you've always got a doctrinal argument? Well, I just don't know if that fits in my paradigm of thought. Well, change your thinking. Well, that man up there has lost his mind. Yeah, he has. He got the mind of Christ. He needed to lose his mind. If your life does not produce the love, joy, peace of God, and it doesn't produce the fruit of salvation in those around you, I question whether or not you have the mind of Christ, even if you can quote the Scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revolution and back again. Point to ponder. The Pharisees could quote it, but they crucified the Word made flesh. 
and they kept others from entering in. Jesus says, you do error to the Pharisees in not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Now how could they quote them back and forth? Know the 613 Levitical laws backwards and forwards and miss Jesus who was fulfilling the very prophecies about His coming, His life, the miracles, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And they helped crucify the Son of God. Do you have a Pharisee mindset? Have you been hindering others? Well, don't go to that ministry because they have false doctrine. Really? Do they have fruit? If they have fruit, then they've got to have a good root. There's some people that have bad fruit, which means they've got bad root. Can you have good doctrine and a bad root? Sure, you can mentally assent to all the good doctrine and still be a devil. We call them church angel street devils. You've seen them before. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother, sister. Oh, love you. Bless you. And then their tongue, like a viper, can reach out and grab that camera and pull it off. Yes. They got a frog tongue. Yes. Viper tongue. Yes. Venomous. Yes. I like to joke when I first got born again, I was given angel's wings. Had them till the backbiters bit them off. <laughs> so this wonderful healing story reveals three types of people. The helpers, the hinderers, and those that are just blocking the way. The man could not get to Jesus because the church house was packed. But it wasn't anybody getting healed. Wasn't anybody getting delivered. Do you know the spirit of unbelief in the room from a few Pharisees can block or hinder others from getting their miracle? Can you imagine on the day of judgment standing before God and you've got to give an account for every deed done in the flesh, every word spoken in secret is brought into the light, and every word that's been spoken quietly is now shouted from the rooftops. Would you like what you said the last week to show up on the front page of the Kansas City Star? How about your text messages? Okay, we're not going there. Okay. But just for the record, they're all stored now. Absolutely everything. Amen or ouch? Hallelujah, heretic. Think they won't use it against you when they change the laws? And then they'll go back before it was against the law and they'll pull those up and then they'll try you for them. People get ready. Are you ready? You got to train for the fight for tomorrow today. A boxer doesn't train for one round. He trains for 15. And when he trains for 15, he'll knock his opponent out in the first couple of rounds. But if he only trains for one round, he might get knocked out himself. I don't care if he's a champion or not. You've got to train for the long game today or you'll be knocked out shortly. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. If you get there and you end up laying empty hands on empty heads, you'll know what the problem is. You're not, you're not attached to the power source anymore. When you don't charge your cell phone battery and it's been off the charger and you go to make that call and it says no signal. Battery's dead. What do you do? Well, I guess I'll just throw the cell phone away. It's no good anymore. No, you get back on the charger. Your Christianity didn't lose its power. It just got unhooked. Get back on the charger of prayer. Get back on the charger of fellowship. Get back on the prayer time in, in, in praying in the Spirit. Amen. And speaking to one another in spiritual songs and hymns and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Amen. Connect with people. Do some Holy Ghost text messaging. Amen. That's, it, that's, it. that's right. You can't think two thoughts at the same time, so just think the good ones. Okay, so here's what happens. In verse 18, the paralyzed man on the bed couldn't get to Jesus himself, but thank God for his helping friends. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Verse 18, nothing indicates that these helpers had any formal training or Bible college degrees. So stop using that as an excuse. Well, I haven't been formally trained. You know what? You can body drag somebody to church. You don't have to do it. 
Just get him into the presence. It's okay. If you want, we'll give you a certificate. It says you're certified to body drag. You know what? We got a big drug problem in, 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 in our nation. But if you drug him to church, drug him to prayer meeting, we wouldn't have a big problem, would we? I want a new kind of drug. One that won't make me sad. One that won't give me a hangover. Or make me do things bad. I need a new kind of drug. I need to be drugged to church. I need to be drugged to prayer meeting. Drug your kids. It's okay. Drug them to church. That's right. And you came out okay, girl. Amen. She's filled with the Holy Ghost, leads people into the presence of God. Her, her sister has world-class worship music. And she was offered to travel with the blues bands of the day. And her mama said, you're not going. And she was angry with her mom. And all those people got all messed up. And instead, her sister, Bobby Harvey, who wrote, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. You better get ready and bear this in mind. God showed no other rainbow sign. It won't be water but fire next time. She wrote that and several other songs because her mama drug her to church and wouldn't let her get drug away into the drug world. And because of that, she got into the presence of God. And when she would minister at the piano, the drunks, the prostitutes, the pimps, and the drug addicts would be drawn in with the music of the Holy Spirit. And they'd come into that atmosphere and they'd get healed and delivered and devils would come out of them and they'd walk out of the church house. Aha, I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven done sign my name. I stepped in the waters. The waters was cold. It filled my body, but not my soul. Aha, I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven done sign my name. See, if you don't know him that way, that's just another facet of Christ. He's life changing. You don't know like I know what is done for me. You don't know like I know what is done for me. He healed my body. He saved my soul. Filled me with the Holy Ghost and made me whole. You don't know like somebody else knows what He's done for them. So stop judging them. If they've had a changed life, celebrate it. Celebrate it. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know the mess they came out of. They may not be where you're at, but thank God they're not where they were. And are you helping them or are you hindering them? Oh my gosh. That'll preach. Okay, I'm done with the black spirituals. I might go into a Messianic Jewish thing next. Don't hate on me. Appreciate. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Okay. Nothing indicates that these helpers had any formal training or Bible college degrees. Today we have many who are helpers in God's kingdom, bringing others to Jesus. All they know is how to take someone to Jesus, believing if they can simply get the person there, Jesus will do the rest. Oh, that we would get back to the basics of the Bible. Just do the stuff. Heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. You know, the basics. That's the basics. Amen. These helpers represent many within the body of Christ who invite, carry, or persuade others to come to church with them, trusting that Jesus will do the rest when they get there. Statistically, scores of people meet Jesus in this manner. Thank God for the helpers. Sadly, however, these helpers are often obstructed by other believers who block the needy person's path to Jesus. The water. Notice the next verse. When they could not find a way, thank you. When they could not find a way, mm, this is interesting. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat. The paralytic threw the tiles into the middle of the crowd 
right in front of Jesus. Are you that hungry for your friend's miracle? You may not even be willing to drive to the other side of town to get them, let alone peel the tiles off the roof. That's some violent faith right there. That's extreme. That's an extreme DNA. You know, you see some people getting some crazy miracles, but they're doing some crazy things. Crazy for Jesus. There's a generation right now who has such an extreme DNA. They're bungee jumping. They're jumping out of airplanes. I mean, they're, do- they're, they're flying through the air on motorcycles and doing triple flips, releasing the handlebars and coming back 30, 40, 50 feet in the air. That's some crazy stuff. Guess who put the DNA in them? God did. For the last day's move. So stop rejecting them because they don't dress like you, talk like you. They're looking for something real and they haven't been able to find it in your church. Oh, that's thought-provoking. Well, if that offended you, Stick around. There will be a lot more. (laughs) Here the crowd represents the many church-going people who are blocking the way of others getting to Jesus. They sit in church, warming a pew, taking up space, singing songs, and even shouting praises to God. Verse 26. They monopolize the pastor's time and dominate every group activity. However, they rarely receive anything from Jesus personally and often block the way of others in the process. I say this because the story begins, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. How many sick people do you think were there? Quite a few. The power of the Lord was present for him to heal. The scripture in the King James says them. That means the scribes and the Pharisees. The power of the Lord was present to heal the scribes and the Pharisees, the doctors of the law. Guess how many of them got healed? Goose egg! Zero! Zilch! Nada! Narangas! How can it be that the power of the Lord is present to heal in the house and the very people that it was present to heal missed their day of visitation? They had great theology, didn't they? They missed the Son of God in the house. He showed up in their midst and they missed their day of visitation. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It didn't say it was present to heal the man that was paralyzed. He wasn't even in the house. He wasn't even invited to the party. He's a party crasher and got their miracle. (laughs) Wow. Big-eyed saucer truth. Could it be that someone else has stepped into the water when it stirred and got a miracle? And in reality, God wanted to give it to you, but because you didn't want it, He gave it to somebody next to you because He's so generous. And could it be that if He had healed them, that heaven did not empty out one iota of power and it was still present to heal you too? But something within you, even though you couldn't fully block the way for another to get their miracle, you still didn't reach out and touch the hem of His garment. For all that touched Him were made whole. And all that He touched were made whole. Are you waiting for Jesus to come by and touch you? Or are you reaching out to touch Jesus when He's coming by? Either one will get it done. (laughs) None of them received healing. Just before Jesus' death, Jesus spoke to them saying, you did not know the time of your visitation in Luke 19.44. He longed to gather them. Okay, it's interesting to note that Jesus' mission is to seek and to save those that are lost. God anointed him in an earlier chapter for five things. To preach the gospel to the poor, number one. Two, to heal the brokenhearted. Three, proclaim and demonstrate deliverance to the captives. Four, restore sight to the blind. And five, set at liberty those that are bruised. Luke 4.18 Jesus was sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which included all of the above benefits of God's kingdom. This proclamation is still in force today. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Luke 5.17 Yet all but one man and his friends missed their day of visitation. Can we be guilty at times of the same mistake? Can we be blocking the path of others, seeking their touch from God? Are we helping others get to Jesus or are we hindering them? The word for healing in this passage is Strong's Greek Concordance number 2390 
And it means in some that Jesus had been anointed by the Father for the fivefold ministry of preaching the good news of salvation to the poor, which imparts hope, healing those with broken hearts, emotional hurts and wounds, proclaiming deliverance from addictions and demons, recovery of sight to the blind, both physically and spiritually, and freeing those that were beat up and bruised by sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's an all-encompassing healer. Jesus bled seven times from Gethsemane to Calvary. He perspired great drops of blood. They put a crown of thorns on him. Right? His hands. Boom, boom. His feet. And they beat him and plucked out his beard. He bled seven times. Crown of thorns the whole nine yards. For your mental restoration. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails. They pulled flesh off his back with a piece of bones and metal. They shredded him. He was marred beyond human recognition for you and for me. But are we missing our day of visitation? Are we trying to pay the bill twice that's already been paid for the buffet in advance for us to dine? Oh, I'll just walk it out. Well, I'll just live. What you are you tougher than Jesus? If, if you paid for my dinner, would you be honored or dishonored if I went to go pay it again? He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him and by His wounds, His stripes on His back, we were healed. Are you helping or are you hindering? Are you just pew-sitting, blocking the way? Okay. There's three contemporary examples that happened right after God gave me this revelation. I was in a prison setting. I was in Florence, Colorado. And after God gave me this experience and I began to write this teaching to kind of write it out, three things happened back to back. The morning after this, the Holy Spirit asked me a question. Are you helping others get to Jesus or hindering Him? Three distressing examples of Christians hindering others from getting to Jesus came to my attention. All three stories were unsolicited, first-hand account, from different denominational backgrounds of people confirming to me that this problem of well-meaning blockers and hinderers is still happening today. Example number one, Dwayne, a 74-year-old who went to prison for a small white-collar crime. He shared the first example from a prison chapel pulpit that Sunday morning. In 1947, the Spirit of God led him into a church of the Nazarene revival meeting where a visiting evangelist preached the gospel. Conviction came as the word was proclaimed. He responded to the altar call and was marvelously born again. A few days later, the Lord spoke to him to go pray by a specific tree. He obeyed and the Holy Spirit filled him. The heavens opened, resulting in a powerful experience that forever changed his life. From that day forward, he never drank or smoked again. In time, he met a wonderful girl in the congregation, and the pastor married them shortly thereafter. They have been happily married at the time he shared this with me for 56 years. Sadly, however, the pastor told him he had to grow whiskers to be part of the congregation, as this was a godly thing to do. This was contrary to the 18-year-old boy's understanding of what it took to be godly. He said, I don't believe God wants me to grow whiskers. The pastor excommunicated him and told him he would go to hell unless he grew whiskers and obeyed all the church doctrine and rules. True story. Half a century later in prison, he finally returned to church fellowship. What fruit might God have borne through Duane during those 56 years? had this pastor not added his personal denominational rules to Christ's gospel. Example number two. Rich shared this story in another prison service. He had fasted and prayed for his brother and sister-in-law for three years. He'd sent them letters, Christian tracts, and a video for them to watch. As a result, his brother gave his heart to Christ. The wife then agreed to try church. Rich, a prisoner, contacted his pastor to locate an affiliated Pentecostal congregation where his brother lived, close to his home. He wanted to assure sound doctrine and the full counsel of God. The new church called his brother and told him where the church people met about an hour away's drive. They also informed him that if his wife came, she would be required to wear a dress because we don't allow pants on women in our church fellowship. Or makeup. Oh, Yeah. Oh, they they got a bunch of good ones. They chose not to attend the church. The obstacle of church regulations offended and hindered the wife 
who was on the brink of meeting Jesus. But she wasn't dressed right. And Dwayne couldn't grow whiskers enough to be pleasing unto Jesus. Isn't that ridiculous? The Pharisees make you twice the son of hell as they are. I'd rather be backslidden than a Pharisee. I'd rather be cold than lukewarm and get spit out of his mouth. That's what the Scripture says. I'd rather you be hot or cold. Now, I want to be hot. I want to be on fire and by the grace of God, since I got born again, I was born in the fires of Pentecost and I'm personally allergic to the smoke. I like to stay on fire and I'm going to stay on fire and if I lose fire, I'm going to get together with those that are on fire and get the fire back. Amen? Amen? Because I know what it's like out there not being on fire. Right. Stay under the blood. Stay under the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where the protection's at. And the power. I wonder if the prostitute who came to Jesus, anointed His feet with her tears, and wiped His feet with her hair, was appropriately dressed when she came to Jesus the day at the home of the Pharisees. If I remember correctly, they wanted to throw her out. Jesus instead received her just as she was and said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you in that condition. Uh I know I've been changed. (laughs) It's kind of got all me. Are we helping or hindering others from getting to Jesus? Rich has returned to fasting and praying for his family's salvation again. Three years of fasting and praying for a Pharisee in the church to block somebody's salvation. Fifty-six years Dwayne was away from organized church because he didn't want to grow whiskers at 18. I don't even think I could grow whiskers at 18. I think I was about 25 before they started showing up. I would have been kicked out too. Failure to grow whiskers. Help. Example number three. Kenny relates a third story. This, By the way, this all happened within like 18 hours. Bam, bam, bam. He spent the last, the previous 22 years on drugs. Eight months earlier, he was supernaturally delivered during a prison church service. At age 18, Kenny was playing his guitar, writing songs, and singing unto the Lord before a Baptist congregation. We had Church of the Nazarene, we got Pentecostal, we got Baptist, and guess what? We could name every denomination there is because everybody's got three people, three types of people. The helpers, the hinderers, and those who are blocking the way. Just as a side note, they've also got the anointed, the ex-anointed, and the unanointed. you got King David who's anointed, King Saul who's the former anointed but lost it, and then Eliab, his brother, who never was anointed. They're in every congregation too. The ex-anointed throws javelins at the anointed, while the unanointed says, well, what do you think you're doing with the anointing? You ain't got it. Amen. And by the way, that's the rite of passage to the next level. It's a triple portion. Saul had a single portion. David had a triple portion. Saul was anointed with a vial of oil. Went right into office and fell. He was anointed to be king. David went in with a horn of oil. Was anointed to be prophet, priest, and king. Took him 13 years to get into office. And he was there for 40. Didn't mean he didn't flounder a little bit. But he repented. Okay. So Kenny relates the third story. A visiting evangelist called him out before the church and told him his long hair was shameful and he needed to cut it to be acceptable to minister in song before the congregation. Kenny responded, Samson had long hair and was a judge over Israel. The evangelist was stunned but continued to publicly berate the young believer. Kenny left the fellowship, backslid, and ended up in prison two decades later after two, 20 years of drug and alcohol use and abuse. Are you helping or hindering others getting to Jesus? Jesus had harsh words for such people. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Mark 9.42 Are we helping or hindering others from getting to Jesus? Happily, Kenny is again serving the Lord back in Bible study, inviting others to meet Jesus, singing in the choir, playing his guitar, and glorifying God. At Eagle Heart Fellowship, you come just the way you are. 
And somebody will come alongside to help you. The only time we look down at someone is when we're bending over to help pick you up. Because we were in that situation. Don't forget where you came from. And if you ever have your battery die and you can't get your car started, you can't do anything until you get a jump start. And when somebody comes by and gives you a little electricity, that jump start, your engine will start to run again and recharge your own battery. And that's what we need sometimes. We get stalled on the side of the road in our spiritual walks with Christ. And instead of people driving by saying, I told you they'd backslide. Well, I told you they'd be stalled in their faith. I told you they'd get shipwrecked. Why don't we stop by and give them a jump start? Because they've got the engine of the Holy Spirit within them. They've got the Word of God within them. And once you get them jump started, they'll flow back into the things of God. Amen. Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you too be tempted. Are the hinderers only of the Pharisees and Sadducees lot? Or can disciples of Jesus also fall into this category? One of the disciples, John, told him one day, Teacher, we saw a man using your name to cast out demons, but we, the disciples, told him not to, for he isn't of our group. Jesus responded back. You know, they're not of our denomination. They didn't have our church affiliation, Jesus. They're not credentialed with us. They're not casting demons in your name. We forbid them. Can you pray for my shoulder? I popped it out while patting myself on the back. I need some healing. Don't forbid him, Jesus said, for no one doing miracles in my name will quickly turn against me. Anyone who isn't against us is for us. Mark 9, 38-40. Today we might say, Jesus, others were casting out devils in your name, but they weren't part of our church denomination, so we forbid them. Jesus says, stop hindering my work. For he that is not against us is for us. A similar example might be heard. I heard a friend of mine was going to a healing crusade given by a TV evangelist. I told him it was all just fraud and a fake and of the devil. Jesus faced the same bad publicity during his ministry. Then a demon-possessed man, he was both blind and unable to talk, was brought to Jesus and Jesus healed him so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed. Maybe Jesus is the Messiah, they exclaimed. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, He can cast out demons because he is Satan, king of the devils. Matthew 12, 22. Is there nothing new under the sun? Are we helping or hindering? Stop it. If you don't understand it, fast for seven days till you do. Fast for seven hours to start with. Stop hiding the Snickers bar. Oh my gosh. Well, David, I don't think, you know, I, I don't have to fast to be saved. No, Jesus died for you. Yeah. You don't have to fast. You don't have to pray either. Right. You don't have to give. But Jesus says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. He didn't say if. Matthew 5, that's a beatitude. It's the attitude you ought to be. Matthew 5 and 6. Okay. Are we helping, hindering, or blocking the path? I'm close. Over the last 23 years as a Christian, I've witnessed Christians helping others get to Jesus in all kinds of ways. I've been amazed at the simplicity of the ways in which this help has been accomplished. It has been a shoulder to cry on when somebody has lost a loved one, a meal when they were hungry, help to write a letter, a smile when no one else cared, or offering a heartfelt prayer with them, taking them into the presence of God. Someone once said, people don't know how much you care, and people don't care how much you know. Until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Often I believe doing the gospel is the prerequisite to preaching the gospel. Let me repeat that. I believe doing the gospel is the prerequisite to preaching the gospel. If I didn't do the gospel, didn't live it, I didn't walk the walk, I only talked the talk, there'd be a disconnect. There'd be two people. And you'd say, well, the only thing I don't like about that preacher is his face. Both of them. Okay. You get it. It's a time joke. You get it in time. Okay. So, yeah. Hypocrite means mask wearer. Actor. Play actor. Wow. They put on different masks. 
Okay. St. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. You don't have to have your Jesus bumper sticker with the fish on it and the whole nine yards and the cross hanging in the window and follow me to church at Eagle Heart Fellowship although we will be giving out those bumper stickers. <laughs> you don't have to have all that stuff. Just live the life, a lifestyle of evangelists. I was at dinner the other night at a Longhorn Steakhouse. The waitress comes by and she's got ice pack on her wrist. I just asked her, I said, what happened? I don't know, I hurt my wrist. I said, oh, could I see it? I'm at dinner, but we got time for Jesus. Right? Because Jesus was at dinner with us. You can't say no Lord and Him still be Lord. And I just reached over. I said, oh, let me just touch it. I just laid hands on it. She looked and she went, <laughs> she giggled because she felt something. I didn't invoke the name of Jesus. I didn't jump up. Say in the name of Jesus! <laughs> Do one of them Holy Ghost pushes on her forehead, knock her over, spill a couple of plates of food, and call it God. I just slowly grabbed her arm, wrist, and I said, there it goes. And I just felt the anointing go in. And she giggled. She's like, well, it kind of freaked her out, you know. And she, I said, moving around. She went, I said, that's kind of weird, isn't it? And she looked, she goes, yeah. I said, that's Jesus. He loves you. Hallelujah. Didn't yell it. Whispered it. Hallelujah. Dinner was over. I went to use another part of the facility in the restaurant. And I was leaving. Mm -hmm. On the way out, I saw her. I said, how's the wrist? She says, well, it's better. She says, there's still a little bit here. I said, oh, can I just go ahead and touch it again? She reached out. I said, this is common. Jesus loves you. And this time I spoke the name of Jesus over her. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I could have started off with the name of Jesus, but a demonstration of the Spirit and a power silences the devils because now a person with an experience is never at the hands of a person with just a doctrine Amen. or a dogma or one of those dogma piles that you step in and carry out through the church and smells the whole place up. And she moved it around. Because this is what I asked her. She said, I don't know. It, it comes and goes. I said, well, may you have carpal tunnel syndrome. So I spoke to the tunnel at that point. I said, tunnel, I command you to open now. I said, nerves, I command you to unswell and to line up inside the tunnel. And the pain went away. And she looked at me. I said, kind of a little freaky, isn't it? Because it is freaky the first time you get healed. Let's just call it what it is. We end up getting so religious. Yeah. What did you experience? I don't know. Freak me out. Okay, you feel freaked out? Yeah, I do. Well, let me share something with you. That should be the common Christian life. Amen. It sure beats Advil and all these other things Amen. you've been taking that have been destroying your liver. Why don't you just come to Jesus Amen. and get healed? Lay down the doctrinal arguments that are hindering you and hindering others. Get to Jesus and you'll not have a doctrinal argument. You'll have a testimony. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. Was this man born blind because of his parents' sin or his sin? Neither, but so that the glory of God might be made manifest. The man gets healed in John 9, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are saying, Well, who healed you? Well, I don't know. I once was blind, but now I see, Well, that man, Jesus, he must be a sinner. Well, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. Can a sinner open the mind? The babe in Christ stumped the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Hallelujah with this miracle about Jesus. You don't have to have a lot of good doctrine when you've got a miracle and you know it was Jesus. Amen. I read something today. I got an email. It made me laugh. It's talking about we've got all this good theology, but we don't have neology. Get back on our knees. We don't have power. We want to talk about this and that, argue and help and hinder and all this other stuff. He said, you know what? How much bad doctrine can you believe and still be saved? How much good doctrine did you, did you believe when you got saved? Mm -hmm. Well, how did you get unsaved? Now, I'm not saying the good doctrine is not important. Don't get me wrong here. But you don't have to know about soteriology and eschatology and hermeneutics and homiletics and the Greek nuances and the morphologies 
You don't have to know about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Do you? No. That's not what got you saved. You had an encounter with Jesus. That's it. Let's get back to the child like, lest you be converted and like that of a child. You should... Jesus, help us to get back to the basics. Help us get back to the basics. Help us to get back to the basics. Mm. We may be the only Bible someone will ever read. Absolutely. Mm. Peter wrote, well, this is a sacred cow doctrine here. Peter wrote <laughs> that a believing wife can lead an unbelieving husband to Jesus by her godly lifestyle without nagging and without criticizing. Your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. 1 Peter 3.1 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stop nagging your husbands. Get on the knees. Start praying unto the Lord that God will get him. Amen. You have a changed lifestyle. Your godly lifestyle will make them want Jesus. Amen. And if they don't respond, guess what? They were going to hell before anyway. Without your nagging. It's better to live on the corner of the housetop or the roof instead of being inside the house with a nagging wife. That's what the scripture says. No wonder they drove out. Okay, I'm off of that. Now I'm not saying anybody's got that issue here. It's probably someone on video. <laughs> okay. One final story. And we're closing. Here's a sad story that occurred in a church some 20 years ago and is profoundly sad and it's probably recurring in churches across the land today. A dear three-day-old newborn believer was asked to share her testimony before the congregation of what Jesus had done in her life. She got up before the new church family and excitedly shared what the Lord had done for her saving her, delivering her from her past lifestyle, and forgiving her of all of her sins. She then quoted a scripture, the only one she knew, partially out of context, being only three days old in the faith and not fully understanding the passage. Nonetheless, the congregation understood the spirit of what she meant and that her heart was right. They clapped, thanked, and encouraged her for sharing what Jesus had done for her, many of them in tears from her testimony, being touched by the Holy Spirit. She was about to sit down when a well-studied man in the congregation stood up and asked her to remain. All eyes looked toward the man. Was he going to prophesy some great word of encouragement to her? Had the Spirit of God given him something that would build this child in the faith at the next level? Had her testimony touched his heart and he wanted to thank her for her zeal and excitement in Christ, which reminded him of when he was first born again? None of the above, sadly. Instead, he proceeded to correct her misquotation of the scripture verse, expounding on context, nuances of the original Greek language, and biblical text, hermeneutical interpretation, and how it related to soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. The final blow, in the future, if you don't understand the verse, it would be best if you didn't quote anything at all, lest you lead others astray. She was crushed. She'd been slain by his knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, although being a know-it-all makes us feel important. What is really needed to build up the church is love. It was three more years before this dear sister would even speak in a Bible study. And five more years before she was willing to stand before the congregation and even sing, fearful that she might lead someone astray. How sad Jesus said about such men puffed up with knowledge, but if someone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to lose faith, it would be better for that man if a huge millstone were tied around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Mark 9.42 Are we helping? Are we hindering? Or are we just blocking the way? Let us stand. In reality, most of us exhibit traits from each of these three groups at different times. Sometimes we are helpers, bringing others into the presence of Jesus by inviting them to church, giving a smile, a morsel of food, a banquet dinner in His name, gas money, flowers when they're sad, and a variety of other ways.
of kindness. At other times, we can be the disciples forbidding others from casting out devils in His name or speaking against other ministers, hindering others getting to Jesus. While at other times, we may just be blocking the path. Hey, that's my parking place. Or that's where I sit. You're in my spot. Who is that new guy? Get him out of my spot. Everyone knows I sit there and have there, have there for the last eight years. Matter of fact, I paid for that chair. My offer. Would Jesus do it? No. Maybe we've seen others, maybe we've seen ourselves as hinderers or just blocking the path. If so, God forgives and calls us alongside to be his helper, bringing others to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's name is also the helper. And he wants to help you help Jesus bring others to him. Joanna, would you come up and sing? Has this been helpful tonight? Are you helping? Are you hindering? Or have you just been blocking the way? The good news is repentance is just a change of mind. That's right. The song we sing tonight is uh, Rest in the Shadow. And the chorus part of it is in Hebrew. And what it means is, Blessed is the Lord our God, King of the universe. Blessed is His holy name. And it's a song about rest. And sometimes we need to rest from thoughts in our head. We need rest from pain. We need rest from the burdens. And maybe sometimes we just need to rest our tongue and be quiet. And so I want to release this song of rest over you tonight. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you minister to each heart as they process the words that Pastor David said tonight. And I ask that you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear what we cannot hear, what we cannot see, Lord, what we're not even aware of. Show us our heart, hold up a mirror, bring healing, and bring rest. Jesus, you said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we thank you, Lord, that you can hold up a mirror to our face with no condemnation, that we may be changed and transformed. So we release your anointing now as we sing rest over this house. In Jesus' name. I will rest in the shadow of the Lord God Almighty. I will rest in the shadow of the Lord God my key. I will rest in the shadow of the Lord God Almighty. I will rest in the shadow of the Lord God my King. Baruch Hashem Adonai Eloheinu Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Eloheinu Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Le'olam As you died on the cross Lamb of God, Yeshua, the Son of Man. Salvation and light to the world you have wrought as the angels bow down to your feet. Baruch Hashem Adonai Eloheinu Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Eloheinu Le'olam Baruch Hashem Adonai Le'olam
lay along. You will rest in the shadow of the Lord God Almighty. You will rest in the shadow of the Lord God your King. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you need healing tonight, just come forward. God's going to heal and touch. Remember in Luke 19, 44, they missed their day of visitation. The healing power was present to heal them in Luke 5. But they missed their day of visitation. So today, healing is ready. Jesus is touching. Juan, would you come up and minister with us as well? Yeah. Also our brother in back from the healing rooms. And Zenobi, would you play some wonderful music? What a great group of people that I see. No big eyes or little use. Just Jesus people helping others get to the Master. Amen. Joanna, would you come up and if God gives you words of knowledge? Joanna operates in a word of knowledge where she hears the Lord speak and then God will heal people sitting in their chairs. And so, whether you come to get a touch from Jesus or Jesus wants to touch you, He'll meet you at your point of faith tonight. Joanna, please. This has been another powerful teaching by David Harabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidharabedian.com.